What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another week, week 15 of the Playbook with Joe and Zach at WZBC AM Sports Radio. Uh, we're excited to be back for another hour of Boston sports. Uh, we're going to get into a lot tonight. Tonight, we'll start the episode by recapping how the Frozen Four tournament has gone so far, and then give a brief overview of Northeastern and BC baseball's bean pop matchup uh, this coming Tuesday. After that, we'll go into the Red Sox and how they looked in spring training so far. Uh, then we're going to talk about the Celtics and what Robert Williams' injury can mean for our playoff hopes. Uh, Celtics quickly got to the one spot a couple of days ago uh, before dropping back down. At the end, we'll break down Mars Madness and give our picks for the Final Four and potential finals matchup, uh, which is coming up Saturday night. So super pumped for that. Uh, we got a lot to get into, so let's get right into it with the Frozen Four. Um, yeah. So you want to go into that? Western Michigan, Northeastern, and then Michigan AIC? Yeah, so tough game for Northeastern. Um, they ended up losing 2-1. to one. Um, it, was, it was a close game, actually, for the most part. Like, Western Michigan dominated the first period. Me and, me and Mark Walsh actually missed most of the first and got there with like a minute or two left, um, which was nice. It was nice getting out there. The DCU sounded nice to obviously support Northeastern and be able to get there. Um, tough game up in Northeastern. As I said, Western Michigan dominated the first period. Um, Northeastern really took over in the second and third. You would have thought the game would have been like a 5-1 to one lead for Northeastern if you just looked at the shots on goal and all the quality shots they had. Um, hey, Western Michigan was getting shots on goal, but Northeastern's shots are real close. They're right there, right on the edge. You were just waiting for them just to break one, you know, to the back of the net. Um, even even if you dominate a period, sometimes, you, you know, there's not a goal to show for it, which is tough. Um, it was a cool matchup, though, seeing Ethan Frank and Ada McDonough, the two top scorers of college hockey, going at it. Um, obviously, Northeast ended up losing, so we were down one nothing. actually starting the first period. Um, Kid in Western Michigan absolutely sniped. Nothing you could do about that. It wasn't Levi's fault. Um, and then you look at it, over the, the length of the game, Northeastern's down one nothing. It could have been, you know, worse. They were still in it. Even though it was down, we were down one nothing. it felt like, it felt like it was like a 3 nothing game if you look at the score-wise because obviously, you know, there's only one goal, you know, until three minutes left in the third period. You would have thought Northeastern would have been down a ton just, just looking at that. But if you look at the shots on goal, you'd feel like Northeastern had the lead. It was just because there was only one goal, it just felt like we were down by so much more even though we weren't. The shots on goal were all right there. Um, but we ended up scoring Ada McDonough, three minutes and 20 seconds left into the game. Um, Dangles got by a defenseman, went around him, snuck by Brendan Bussey, Western Michigan's goalie. We actually just signed with uh, the Bruins today. Um, snuck around him, got a goal. It was a great play. Northeast had tied it. Then, you know, a couple minutes into overtime, Western Michigan goes on. They, they hit the puck down the ice. Levi went to go clear it, made a bad clear, hits it out, gets intercepted. Western Michigan, you know, uh, takes it, shoots it. Levi makes an acrobatic attempt trying to save it. The puck across the crease. Northeast, Northeast ends, up, ends up losing. They called it a goal uh, save originally then. Upon review, became a goal, which was tough to lose like that. But um, definitely a tough game overall. But I was proud with how... Uh, how much Northeastern fought going against a one seed. Obviously, Northeastern being a four, just because they were an at-large bid. Um, it was definitely nice to see how much they fought, see you know how much this team, act, how much grit they had to actually keep going. And even though you obviously lose the game one nothing, I mean two to one, excuse me, it was, they were down one nothing. They put up a fight, um, and it was also great to be able to go to every game that I did this year. It was truly um, something I was thankful for, and I really look forward to every weekend. So tough losing them now, but next steps for Northeastern. McDonough's returning for senior year, which is huge. Uh, Jordan Harris has signed a two-year entry-level contract with the Canadians. Um, Kent Hughes, the GM, is uh, the father of Riley and Jack Hughes on Northeastern. And then I obviously talked about Ryan St. Louis' father, Martin St. Louis, being the head coach of the Canadians. So, and then obviously Jaden Struble, another draft pick of the Canadians. So the Northeastern Canadians, um, it's a legit thing. Uh, Devin Levi's returning, it seems like, for a senior year. Um, TJ Semdefelter, very unfortunate, just entered the portal. Um, Simba Sem, tough loss there. Um, big fan of him, though. I, I, I see him playing. I see. I think he could play anywhere in the country. I see him going to Minnesota State. Um, they'll be losing Dryden McKay after this year. Um, number one team in the country. I think they're actually number two in the pair-wise. But um, 
they're right there. They're ranked number one for just about most of the season. Today, I saw an officer Big Ten schools, CCHA schools, and CHC schools, and um, a couple of independent schools. So he can really play anywhere in the country. I see him as one of the best goalies in college hockey, just like I do Levi. It's tough to have that good of a team. Um, Dylan Jackson, Ty Jackson just hit the transfer portal too. Both are a big loss as well. Um, Dylan was fifth in the Hockey East freshman uh, scoring run last year with 14. He had three goals in eight games this year, um, five goals and nine assists last year in, in the games he played. Ty's another big loss, played very well in McDonough this year in the middle of the season when it was COVID was hurt. Um, he had seven goals and five assists in 21 games last year, so a very good freshman year, 12 points. This year he had 20 points, six goals, 14 assists in 28 games. They're both really good players, can set each other up perfectly. They should really be a second line or first line even for some schools, depending on where they go. But with how good Northeastern is, they're really going to be a third line, which is tough, obviously, because Jack Hughes and Ritz Colby are so good. Uh, Ty Jackson's going to be a third line center if he was staying. So wishing them the best of luck, obviously. Devastating to see TJ leave. You know, we're big fans of him. Yeah, I hate um, to see that. And then Colangelo, Struble, and Gunnar Wagon has no decisions there on them yet. I say Colangelo goes to the NHL, at least that's my initial thought, and Struble and uh, Gunnar Wagon come back. Obviously losing Jakob Novak, Tommy Miller, uh, Julian Kessler, and Marco Bazo, all tough losses um, to also go with Jordan Harris, of course. So Northeast has got a little bit of rebuilding to do. They're actually signing a few guys now. Kid from uh, kid from uh, Merrimack just transferred in today, a friend of Aiden McDonough's. Um, so should be good to see how that works out. AIC. Last game I want to cover really quick. Tough loss, 5-3 to three to Michigan. I'm really proud of how this team fought. They're going against a team with 13 or 14 NHL draft picks, seven first-rounders um, are on Michigan's team right now, including four of the top five picks in the 2021 NHL draft. So going against a team when you're only a school of 1,500 kids and being able to compete with the powers of Michigan, who was the number one seed in the tournament, I mean, that's all you can ask for. And these guys, they gave it all. Uh, Brian Regali gave it his all. Blake Bennett, of course, I'm a big fan of him. He had a goal and assist. I actually met the Blues, St. Louis Blues assistant GM last week. He's, just, he's the uh, GM of their AHL team, the Springfield Thunderbirds. And I said to him, you got to check out Blake Bennett. And I, I, I even sent him an email today, and I was like, hey, Blake Bennett had a great goal and assist. You know what I mean? You know, Keep your eye out on him. Because his thing with AIC is they're a really good, really good hockey team at a smaller school, so not enough eyes on them as there should be, unfortunately. But I'm really proud of how they fought, though. Brian Regali um, got them a goal right away to stop the game. If they were down 3 2 nothing. he started the, the scoring for AIC. Justin Young, senior, ended up tying, uh, ended up scoring as well to make a four to two game. They got they got too much, you know, ahead of themselves. Michigan is up two nothing, then two to one, then four to one, then it was four two. Michigan scored to make it five two, and then Blake Bennett scored um, with just under six and a half seven minutes to go. Um, it was a power play goal, which was great, but tough game for ASC. Really proud of them losing a lot of pieces this year, but they still got Jake Stella coming back and Blake Bennett. Excited to see how that works out. They're losing Calvin Russo and Justin Young. Regali will be gone. Um, Dodaro will be gone. So they're losing some big pieces, but I'm excited to see how the, the future of the program goes. Um, they got a lot to look forward to there. And then For a couple sure. quick things. Minnesota beat UMass Amherst 4-3. to Denver beat UMass Lowell 3-2. to Minnesota State beat Harvard 4-3. to um, So all the teams, and Quinnipiac also lost. They beat St. Augustine the first one and lost the second round game. So all the schools within the New England area are out. So what can you do? It's tough. you got Denver versus Michigan and Minnesota State versus Minnesota on April 7th. We'll give our predictions for that next week, but looking looking forward to getting back to that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so, yeah, let's move in. So, exciting Frozen Four stuff coming up. Uh, what do you want to go over now? College baseball, Sox, Celtics? We can go over to the Celtics. All right, go let's Celtics. do it. I'm going to talk about Celtics. We'll get Celtics, college baseball so. a little mm-hmm. after. But yeah, go Celtics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go for it. So, unfortunately, uh, a couple nights ago, we can start with this. Rob Williams had a partial tear in his meniscus, had successful surgery yesterday. They're saying he should be back in four to six weeks. Uh, obviously, a huge hit for you know a team that, was so hot we hit first place in 
um, the Eastern Conference a couple nights ago, and then um, after a tough loss to Toronto uh, without Tatum, Brown, or Williams. I'm going to get to that in a minute. There's been a couple weird things with some teams not being able to play in Toronto, potentially because um, of Toronto's vaccination requirements. Uh, that could have some negative implications for the playoffs uh, if we were to have a first-round matchup against them. Um, Celtics now being third in the conference behind the Heat and the Bucks. They actually have a game tonight against the Heat. Uh, if they win that, we'll advance back in the first place uh, at 7.30 at the Garden. Um, yeah, team's been looking good the last few weeks. Um, they've actually been really hot. What do they won? They before Tuesday. Yeah, something like that. 22 and 4 in the last 26 games. Mm-hmm. They really turned the season around. Yeah, they won 14 out of their last 15 or something nuts um, until two tonight against the Raptors. Um, a lot of big performances. Tatum's been really hot. He's been averaging about 33 a game in the month of March, uh, month of March uh, about 47% from deep. Uh, he's been incredible. Jalen Brown, too. And the team defense overall has just been incredible. We're uh, the first-ranked team in defense. No, the first-ranked team in offense and the second-best team in defensive uh, efficiency in the NBA. It's absolutely nuts. Um, how well we've been playing, you know, everyone's been shooting well, um, you know, everyone's stepped up, uh, especially on the bench too, you know, guys like Peyton Pritchard, he's been on a tear shooting from deep, um, you know, love watching guys like him play and step up into more roles, because, you know, at the start of this year, I was kind of confused, because he played so well, you know, towards the end of last year, and then it seemed like the start of this year, he just wasn't getting any minutes at all, um, yeah, he's but, been shooting great, yeah. Pritchard, which, that's the thing though, yeah, with the Celtics rotation, a lot of the time, it's we don't have enough depth pieces, and I know I know we always lack shooting bench. too. We always lack bench and shooting. That's the problem. But it seems like guys are stepping up. Pritchard, like we mentioned, D. Smith had a couple of threes on um, the other night. Big three uh, with a few minutes to go in the game. Mm-hmm. Was it Monday night? Yeah, that was um, the Raptors Monday. That's what it he was. Had a big three. Obviously, it was a tough loss, but like you said, we're missing a lot of pieces. Obviously, Robert Williams' injury is going to be huge. He's he's never stayed healthy, so I'm not saying I'm surprised, but mm-hmm. it's a huge loss, huge loss. And I mm-hmm. mean, there's still a chance we'll he can see. come back for maybe the second round of the playoffs. Though Celtics training staff is always really conservative. Yeah, um, especially with a guy like him, you know, he's young and he's been such a big piece for us defensively. You don't know if they're going to risk it, um, but I mean, we're not going to see him until at least the second round of the playoffs if we get there. Uh, so I mean, you hate to see that, but uh, I mean, defensively, this team's been unreal. I mean, not even Williams, just smart Derek White in the backcourt. Uh, they've been holding it down. Obviously, Williams is a, Williams is a big piece of that as well. Uh, but Grant Williams has really stepped up in recent weeks. He's been shooting a lot better, playing better defense. Uh, he can move the ball pretty well now. He's a pretty smart passer. Um, I've really liked what I've been seeing out of him because at the start of this season, I was kind of ready to move on from him almost. I know it's only year three for him, but I didn't really seen much of him seen much out of him at all until this year. Um, but I definitely take back if there was anything I said about wanting to get rid of him. Uh, he's been a great bench piece for the Celtics. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the playoffs you know, works out. I, I think, obviously, uh, with Rumble is probably missing the first series, maybe even the second. Um, I think it'll depend on how the Celtics are doing in, in the, that given series. So let's say he can come back game four or five of you know, the, the, the second round and the Celtics are already down three to one. He might just sit out and call it a season. I feel like um, mm-hmm. it'll be very, sure. very, very hard. You want to push and get him hurt worse and miss a whole season. Kind of like with Kawhi's injury. I mean, it was always like, oh, he's, you know, he has a slight injury, slight injury. And then they kept saying he's questionable, questionable, questionable. And then obviously they just shut him down, you know, in the playoffs last year. I think it could be something like that where you're thinking he's coming back. Obviously the other team has a game plan for if Kawhi Leonard were to come back just like Robert Williams. And then mm-hmm. obviously they don't. But I think... APG a, come back last night. He went off. The Clippers, baby. Down Six 25. Come back, win the game. 34 points in his return. Uh, as I said, the Clippers are all dogs, 37-39 to 39 now. 
Probably going to get Kawhi back, I'd imagine, towards the end of the regular season. Probably, probably beginning of the playoffs. Maybe. I don't know. That's just a prediction. I think it's a hot take. They're definitely a sleeper pet to come out of the West. I mean, I think I think he's coming back. Game up there. Norman Powell will be back just about the playoffs as well. And they're the eight seed right now. They got like five games on the on the Lakers, who's the eleven. So uh, the Lakers are out of the playoffs as of today. So they got a lot of a lot to gain. Actually, not much to lose. I think they're going to they're also going to be a team in the playoffs anyway. So I see them mm-hmm. winning the NBA Finals. If Kawhi Leonard comes back and Norman wow. Powell, okay. I think they win it. They're dogs. They're all, they're all hungry. Terrence Mann, Amir Coffee, uh, Zubak. Nicholas Batum, obviously Reggie Jackson, BC guy, Paul George, mm-hmm. Luke Kennard, I mean, the team stacked. Marcus Morris, I mean, they're just all dogs. I love the Clippers. <laughs> Absolute dogs. Heinstein's really good. I mean, they're just... They're yeah, I, I think they're a sneaky pick to come out of the West for sure. I mean, the Suns, I love the way they're playing right now, but, I mean, we saw the way they looked last year in the finals and they kind of collapsed those last four games against the Bucs, losing four straight to lose the whole series in six. Um, but, I mean, when they get hot, they're one of the best teams to beat in the West. So, um I'm excited to see how that shakes up in the West, but the East right now is definitely wide open. I mean, obviously the Nets are probably a loose favorite right now. Um, definitely not a runaway because right now they are the eight. Yeah, they're the eight in the East. Um, so they're actually shaping up to play in a first round playoff game, uh, and they're only one game ahead of the nine seed Charlotte Hornets. So uh, most likely they'll finish out with the eight seed because they're still two and a half games behind the Cavs. Um, so we can assume. They finish with a 7 or 8, and then uh, if the Celtics stay hot, then it's looking like we got a 50-50 shot of playing them in the first round, which I definitely do not want. Um, yeah, I'd love to get a matchup against either the Raptors or the Cavs right now. Uh, so if we finish as a 2 or a 3 and everything stays put, we can get that. Um, but I really think the Celtics can beat any team in the East this year. Um, obviously, that comes with Williams being healthy. I'm worried about interior defense without Rob Williams. Um but I really think this team's been playing so well. The shooting's been so good. If we can keep shooting like this and playing hard and moving the ball around, then no one can stop this team, really, especially the way um, you know, that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have been playing. They've been unstoppable, really. Um, probably the most, the best offensive duo right now in the East besides Kyrie and Durant, yeah, I think. Yeah, I was going to say they're probably better. Uh, Harden and, and Beatham still have really high hopes. So I still think, as I've said before multiple times, I do still think. I think, this, I think the Sixers I worry about most in the East. I do. I wrote the Sixers the most. That's my I don't know. Just something about them in big games. I don't really buy into it yet. Just I haven't really seen a, any track record of them being having success in the playoffs. I mean, last time we it's played them two years ago in the bubble, yeah, it was really just him out there. But still, I mean, he dominated. There's really no one in the Celtics that could match up with him. I think Rob Williams now is ready to get into that role of you know going toe for toe with Embiid. I mean, obviously Embiid will still get his, so. but Embiid can't go for 48 minutes either. So we always saw him. You know, he in was the, 43, 42 in the playoffs. He went, I think. Yeah, he had a couple of 30 and maybe a 40-point game, but it was all in the first half. And then, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he would just use all all of his energy in the first half. That was a thing because it was really just him playing out there. Um, I think that was Tyrese Maxey's. Maybe it was his first oh, year, too. Um, or no, it was Shake Milton. Shake Milton had a good series, too. But that was really the number two guy that year with Ben Simmons being out. Um, and honestly, I don't think James Harden's going to add too much over what they used to have with Simmons and Embiid together. Um, yeah, so I mean, shooting, I, it spaces the floor a little better than they had with Simmons. Mm-hmm. Now you gotta protect the three, obviously, and Harden loves driving down the lane. So Sixers haven't been that impressive to me, though. They're only six and four. I in think the once last you get the playoffs, though, that's what it matters most. I mean, the Clippers don't playoffs are different, but I don't really trust either of them in big time games and beat or Harden. I don't know. I think they could turn it turn it around. I, I see. Obviously, the Bucks are a team to worry about. 
Um, I'm just a big Embiid guy, so I'm most worried about them. I'm, uh, I'm definitely more I'm worried about the Bucs than I am the Sixers. I'd rather have a first-round matchup with the Sixers or a second round than Milwaukee. I don't think we beat the Nets either, though, if we played them. So uh, I think teams I don't want to play the most, Brooklyn is number one, Milwaukee is probably number two. Um, I'll, go net, I'll go Sixers, Nets, Milwaukee three. Wow, Sixers over the Nets, really? Yeah. Okay. Embiid spaces the floor, dude. And the problem with Embiid is, as I said before, that he's going to play 42, 43 minutes, and the Celtics aren't going to have anyone to cover him for 43 minutes. Robin Williams maybe give you 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. If he's even healthy, he probably won't I mean, he can only do so much that they don't really have the depth that the Celtics have. Um, I no mean, we saw Harden, how he played in the playoffs last year, going like two for 16 a couple of nights. Um, so, I mean, both of them are going to have to be on every single night for them to beat us, I really think. Um, you know, the depth the Celtics have had this year, you know, with guys like Pritchard, Grant Williams, Neesmith has stepped up too. He's in the mix. Um, I really think we can compete with anyone, especially our bench. That gives us a huge boost. Um, but, you know, there's teams like Milwaukee that are really deep too, so that's why I'm worried about teams like them. And then, I mean, we also don't have an answer for a guy like Giannis. Um, and then I would probably rather play the Heat than the Sixers, even though the Heat have been good and they're the one seed right now. Um, something about them just feels a little off to me this year. I know... Um, you know, they've been deep as well. You know, guys like Jimmy Butler, Heroes actually had a really good season, averaging almost 21 a game. And then add Kyle Lowry into the mix this season, and bam, we've always had issues against two. Um, that's obviously not a team I really want to run into either. Um, but, I mean, despite what everyone's calling it down here for the East, there's a lot of good teams that have a chance to win the NBA title coming out of the East. That's probably five teams that we named right there that, you know, have a legit chance to win it all. The Heat, yeah. Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, and Nets. I think all those teams, the I, mean, I can see them winning the thing. Kind of fell off a little. Like yeah, the Bulls are doing really well. Mm-hmm. They've been really bad the last the two or three weeks, yeah. They haven't really beaten any good teams in the East either. If That's you look at their old games, they lost to the Bucks last week by 28. Um, before that, lost to the Suns by 27. Lost to the Jazz by 15. Lost to the Sixers by 15 earlier this month. I mean, it's just they haven't really beaten any top East teams, so I don't see them getting past the first round, to be completely honest. Um, I mean, I love DeMar DeRozan. I love watching him play, but I just don't think this team's built to compete really yet. Because, I mean, even at the start of this year, it didn't really seem, I mean, didn't really make any big moves besides, obviously, DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball. But considering where they were last year, just being a rebuilding team, that's not really enough to put you at, you know, a second or third round playoff team that can make a deep run. Um, I mean, I think they have a bright future with guys like, you know, Kobe White. Um, Zach Levine's been balling, too. Um same. But I just don't think they're there yet, you Lonzo. know. Yeah, and I don't think they they really have beaten too many good teams. They can't really play teams that are five hundred or a top four seed in either conference. So that's the thing, though. I think obviously the West too got a lot of really good teams. Um, as like we said already, the Clippers last night beat you know the the Jazz. The Jazz are you know forty five and thirty one. Clippers are now thirty seven and thirty nine. But a team has eight more wins than them. They beat last night. So on a given night, anyone can beat anyone. Obviously, the series it's different. Mm-hmm. As I said, though, I take the Clippers off Kawhi. Comes back, Powell comes back. I'm taking the Clippers in the East. Thought that they had seven game series. You got to be a team four times. That's the hard thing. Um, and I don't. I just see. I, don't know, I still fear Embiid and 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 Harden. I still think they're a team to beat. Um, obviously, the Bucks too. Giannis played very well in the playoffs last year. Obviously, kind of ended the whole Giannis campaign in the playoffs um, saga that you know started three or four years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously the Nets too. Obviously having Kevin Durant. And, he was really good last year in the playoffs, kind of carried them when everyone was hurt. Kyrie was hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, Honda was bad. Yeah, they were literally two inches away from winning that game seven against the Bucs, you know, when his foot was just an inch over the line. Which is nuts. He had, what, like 47 points that game or something crazy? Something nuts. Yeah, he, he was, was good. All. He was good. That's why I'm worried about playing the Nets most because there's just no answer in the NBA for Kevin Durant. I mean, when he's on, you can't stop him. He just scores at will. 
then add Kyrie into the mix too. We saw how he's, he's looked the last few weeks, having that 60-point game in the Magic. Um, I mean, they can put up 80, 90 points together in one night. So 60 it's going to be tough to stop that. Someone's going 60 every night now. It's getting ridiculous in the mm-hmm. NBA. But um, there was one thing I want to talk about that I wasn't a fan of was Tatum yesterday talking, and he said, if I played at this level the whole season, I'd be MVP. That's making it a personal thing. I've been saying before, I think he's all about his own individual awards. I don't like that line at all. Um, I understand, yes, you probably would be MVP if you stay at this level, put 35 a game up, like he has the last, what, six or seven games. Um, mm-hmm. But any player would be an MVP to put up 36 a game. It's really about wins. Yes, we're winning games, but don't stop saying, oh, I'd be MVP if I was you know, playing at this rate the whole season. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. if I was six, five, well, the team was playing like this the whole season. They'd be probably up there at the Suns for yeah. record right now, and then yeah. I, yeah, I think it'd be a front runner. If I was six five, I'd be um, in the NBA. You know what I mean? It's just like saying that you you know, I'd be MVP if I was playing at this level the whole season. That takes away from how well the whole teams have played. Yes, you've been playing well. Jalen Brown's been playing very well, like you said. Grant Williams, Robert Williams was playing very well before the injury. Um, obviously, Pritchett stepping up. I don't like he makes an individual thing. I'm not a fan of that. Um, it still shows he has some selfishness too much. I'm not a fan of, but. Then again, we're winning games, I guess. And then again, every every player in the NBA is trying to win MVP, whether they say it or not, too. So I don't like going going to the media like that. It makes it seem like it's just all about him, though. You can't really say he's not saying it's all about him. He is. He's basically saying it's all about him, saying I would be MVP right now. It's well, why do you talk about the guys around you that stepped that stepped up for you the whole season? I mean, Suns out forty seven and, and twenty nine, obviously. So obviously went on a really good hot streak. But mm-hmm. he's still giving it all credit, though. I mean, was he knows who he is. He knows he's averaging thirty three points a game over the last what four weeks now. Um, that's the thing though any player would be an MVP candidate if they put a 33 game for 6 weeks or, well I mean not 6 weeks 3 weeks you know what I mean but mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of that one though um, definitely makes it seem like it's an individual thing which it isn't but I mean mm-hmm. I don't know either, yeah I, I mean either way the like team's have fallen um, and I mean I think he is a front runner for MVP right now not top 3 behind um, you know Giannis Jokic and, and Bede but he's in that next group him Booker probably Luka he's up there with those guys so um, I mean, I think next season he's got a real shot to win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be interesting to see, though. I, I think, as an I think Jokic probably still wins. I think LeBron should be in the front. I know, obviously, the Lakers don't have a great record, but what he's doing at 37 years old is ridiculous. So mm-hmm. he's having 30 a game at 37. So I think Yeah, I think if they were winning more games, I think he would definitely win. But being an 11 seed, it, it's hard to justify. Um, you know, like when so many guys in previous years had been on losing teams and put up 25, 20, you know, 26, 27 a game uh, and not really been in consideration. Um, so I mean obviously it's extremely impressive that he's 37 but I don't know if I'd call him the most valuable player just because of the Lakers record right now yeah I mean it's, it's hard it's just hard to do it's a team obviously game and obviously there are individual awards but you've got to still have a good team around you obviously have a good record I don't think it's LeBron's fault for the reason they're at they're at mm-hmm. no it's not Russ his fault at all they have no depth Russ has been playing a lot better I gotta give him credit he's averaging what like 22 a week or 22, 22 a game or something games. Um, yeah, good for him He's averaging, I think, still 19 or 20 a game now. But regardless, though, I mean, Russell Westbrook's yeah, he's turnover been a lot better. His turnover is per game is actually less than it has been from uh, last season. It was less than it was last season. I think it's like his third or fourth lowest turnover or something I was looking at. And in, in one of his, he was a high field percentage this year yes, last year. So they, the Lakers know what they were getting with Russ. I don't want to hear anything about, oh, it's Russ's fault. Put Montres Harrell back on the team. Catavius Caldwell Pope and Kuzma. You're not winning the NBA Finals. You're not. You weren't going to win with them again anyway. You weren't. Mm-hmm. You just got I mean, Yeah, this team just. With them being, they just know, don't have the defense. They can't stay healthy. Well, Injuries have been a huge issue. I mean, they've lost four out of their last five, seven out of their last nine. And to some underwhelming teams, too. I mean, they lost the Rockets a couple weeks ago, Pelicans, um, Wizards, Raptors. I mean, it's all teams that if you want to be in the playoffs, you got to be beating, especially in this position they're in where they're now, what are they, one game out of the 10 seed? Um, 
Let's see. They are no, they're tied. Uh, they got the same record as San Antonio for the ten seed right now. Um, Spurs hold the tiebreaker. I mean, someone on that team's got to wake up. LeBron's been playing great. Russ has really stepped up in the last few weeks. Um, they just need depth. They need shooting. They need defense. They really need everything. I think they really kind of screw themselves over uh, with the trades they've made in recent years. You know, the AD trade, the Russ trade. They got no future now. They have, they want to they want to they, they got a championship out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, overall it's definitely worth it. But in terms of this season, trying to win a championship. I mean, it seems like it's pretty much over for the Lakers. They're going to have to trade everyone. they got to find some way to get picks back. Um, so, I mean, LeBron's only getting older. AD can't stay healthy. Um, I mean, they just have no picks, no young guys. Um, I mean, it's kind of the end of the road for that team. Um, but, it's I mean, yeah, what you said, though, everything did work out because they got the chip. Um, but at this uh, stage in the game, though, I mean, there's not much else they can do. We all, I mean, we already know they're not winning the championship this year. There's no way they could just turn it on out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be tough. I mean, now they're on 11 seed. Technically, only a game out of the 9 and 10 seed. So they're not too far out. But um, to play again, the playing game, obviously. But I do think any team having to face LeBron in the playoffs, no one wants to, whether it's a playing game or a, or a series. So no one wants to play LeBron. Even if you end up losing to him, he's going to give you four or five, six side games where you have to run everyone you have on your court. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to be tied for the next series. Even last year, it was just him. I think he took the Suns to six games in the first round. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. last year, right? Yeah, no AD, and he took the Suns to six games. I mean, to a team that was two games away from being the champion. So um, it just goes to show how dominant he still is in the court. Um, I mean, he gives any team a shot, even this Lakers team that has no depth, no shooting, no defense. Uh, he's still out there averaging 30, so. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, though. The interesting thing, though, is last year, though, the Clippers, though, they gave the, the Suns, what, six or seven games? Seven games, or six or seven games, I forget what it was. Oh, but yeah, that was just a PG, Kawhi right? Landed, without Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, they I gave forgot him, about that. I think it went to six. I think it was six games. Yeah, I think it did get a six. Um, Reggie Jackson had a series. If Kawhi Leonard was playing, they win the NBA Finals last year, truly. I still think they win the NBA Finals this year if Kawhi comes back. I mean, yeah, just dogs. Probably the best two-way duo in the league, PG and Kawhi. I mean, it doesn't really get much better defensively and offensively than that. Um, I mean, if we're looking at pure scoring, I'm taking Kyrie and KD, but looking at the whole game, I mean, no one's going to stop that. That's two of the best two-way wings in the league. Um, I mean, then you got a Clippers team, too, that's pretty deep. They all play hard, like you've been talking about all year. Um, you know, my guy Reggie Jackson, love watching him play. He always plays really hard, great point guard. Um, you know, makes smart plays and plays good defense. Um, Luke Kennard, too. He's been one of the best three-point shooters in the league this year. I think. Is he shooting the highest percentage still? Three, yeah. He was like 38% or something. Wow, yeah. Um, I mean, that's going to be a tough team to take down in the playoffs, especially if Kawhi can stay healthy. That's a major if, uh, if he can stay healthy as well. We haven't seen that at all. Um, we haven't... 5% from three. Holy. Holy moly. That's nuts. I was going to say, 38 seems a little low. No, um, 38% is what he was over. I, I saw a graphic. It might have been yesterday, okay. a couple of games ago, where it was like 38%, which is actually really good, 38%, but it was like... Mm. 38% over the last whatever games it was, three, four games, whatever it was. Okay. So My only fear about the Clips, though, is that one of PG or Kawhi is going to get hurt again because they haven't been together for one playoff run yet, which is kind of nuts to think about. Well, I mean, that, that, that that's just how the NBA is. It's going to be injuries. But I do think if they stayed healthy, that team's that team's winning the NBA Finals. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great team. Great, great team. Yeah, they definitely got together. a shot. I mean, players are unreal, too. That's just – that's what it takes to be a great GM is obviously having superstars like that and being able to recruit. Two guys, both from California, though – um, Kawhi grew up in LA, and then obviously Paul George is from I think just right right outside of LA, or he is from LA. So regardless, mm. they're both from California. So being able to recruit guys to their hometown, obviously it's a little easier to recruit them back to where they're from. But being able to get guys on the bench like Reggie Jackson, being able to stay from the Lakers, too. like Luke Kennard, 
Um, Mike uh, Nicholas Batum. Uh, yeah. Kuzma, excuse no. me, not Kuzma, not Kanard. Um, Zubak, Zubak, they're really good. I mean, coffee's really mm-hmm. good. So, uh, Terrence Mann, Massachusetts kid from Lowell. Yeah, so, Lowell, let's go. Um, that's the thing, though. It just takes a lot to, to create a team, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm hoping they stay healthy, but I hope so too. I mean, they can definitely make a deep run, and if that team can stay healthy, and you got Kawhi and PG out there, they can beat anyone. Um, but health is definitely the biggest question for me there. They're just both so injury prone. I wouldn't be surprised to see just one of them rolling out with that team for the rest of the season. Absolutely. So, uh, see how it works out there. Any other thoughts on this, or you want to move on to uh, March Madness? Um, yeah, why don't we move on to March Madness? A lot of crazy things happened last weekend with the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. Um, yeah, let's get right into it. So, we got this Saturday night, we got Duke and UNC. Can't wait for that game. Second game, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Villanova, Villanova and, Kansas. Yeah, Villanova and Kansas. Only, only one once you made it. It's Kansas, and then obviously Villanova was a two. Uh, no, it's not, it's the one once you didn't pick. And then you two, two, it was a two. But it'll be interesting to see how it works out, though, you know, between that. I, I know I always say, you know, it's a long, long tournament. I, I know I said before that I thought Duke was going to lose earlier. and But teams do mm-hmm. heat up. That's the thing. And now they're playing really yeah, good basketball. Too. They've had a lot of close games, and they're playing really good basketball. Um, I think UNC, which... I mean, no, I know I know I can predictions yet, but I think UNC wins this game just based off momentum, how well how well they've been playing. Obviously, Duke losing their last home game, Coach K's last home game ever by fifteen to twenty points um, to UNC. Hard to lose to a rival like that in your last game at home. Uh, but UNC was really really better that they worked a lot better that game, and this whole tournament they've been playing really well. So um, I give UNC the edges. I know Duke will be favored, but I think UNC they'll be the first, second time an eight seeds ever made it to the finals, um, which is nuts. Wow, that would be crazy. The, now this is also the twenty first. Final four, which is nuts. So it's crazy to make twenty one of them. Um, mm-hmm. just I mean, that team is way better than an eight seed. Yeah, should have known all along. Six, Everyone just kind seven. of wrote it up as you know the eight seed is weak. They were still. I forget what the let me check what the record was. It was still uh, a couple of games. Yeah, it was still very impressive. Might have um, been like. Uh, I mean, they had some big wins too. Like, you know, Duke, they can play with anyone in the country. That team. Um, but due to I got them going to the finals just because um, the way they've looked in the past few weeks, their shooting's been ridiculous, um, and. Their matchups are just so difficult. They're all so athletic. They got five first round picks in the NBA draft coming up. Uh, Paolo Banchero, um, Bancaro, he's been unstoppable. One, he just driving to the hoop. No one can stop him. I don't think anyone on UNC can match up with him. Um, you know, with UNC's two best players probably being guards, RJ Davis and Caleb Love. Um, both of them can light it up too. Um, that whole Duke team is just so deep. Um, I just don't think anyone can stop him. That was actually my initial pick to win it all before I switched to Arizona. But either way, I had Arizona and Duke in my final two the entire time. Uh, I just don't think anyone can match up with that team offensively. Um, I mean, they just got so much firepower. They're so deep. Everyone on that team can shoot pretty much, um, you know, aside from maybe Mark Williams, the center. Um, yeah. I mean, UNC, too, they're hot. They got two guys that can light it up, RJ Davis and Caleb Love. And I'm a big fan of Brady Manick, too. Uh, they're forward. Uh, Baycott, too, he's good. Um, great interior defender. But I just think... Looking at every position, I think Duke is just a little bit better. Maybe aside from Caleb Love, I think he's a little better than uh, you know Trevor Keels. Um, but still, we look at um, you know big man on big man. We got Bancaro on uh, say Baycott. I think Bancaro wins that matchup because he can spread the floor. He can shoot the three. Um, I mean, you know, he can create his own shot. So it's just so hard to match up with that team. Um, and as long as they have a decent shooter, I don't think they're gonna have a problem taking down UNC. Uh, so if I'm going to give my score prediction, I'm going to go 75-66 Duke. Okay, I think this 
It's a big game, obviously. This is Coach K's final run, so I'm sure they'll be talking about that a ton in the broadcast. It'll be a big storyline. Is yeah, it's another Coach thing K's too. Review, I think revenge game. Yeah, he's gonna get his revenge. Game. revenge against UNC after losing that last home game. Um, mm-hmm. Hubert Davis, Give first head coach though for UNC. Um, Roy Williams came out yesterday in a quote saying, "It doesn't matter if you've coached one uh, year, you've coached 400 years, or if you won five national championships or one and none. Um, at the end of the day, just play the game." And obviously, just trying to tell Hubert Davis to have some confidence. Don't be intimidated, obviously, going against Coach Kane. I agree. I mean, he's, he's done great as a first-year head coach. Obviously, Definitely. coming in, you obviously have a really good program. Um, with him, obviously, playing for UNC, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. He knows what it's like and, and knows you know what the whole UNC mm-hmm. basketball family and history is about. Um, but obviously, this is a big game. This is the first time actually meeting um, in the Final Four. I think it's the first time meeting in an old tournament, which is nuts. Yeah, it is. Um, it's crazy. So, it'll be a big game. Um, I do think UNC wins this game. I'm going to go 79-75. Um, I think Duke, I thought they were going to lose earlier in the tournament. Um, I thought they came in. Yeah, a lot of people wrote them off, you know, second, third round. Yeah. Most people had them losing to Texas Tech in the uh, Sweet 16, actually. Yeah, they were losing, too. Um, But regardless, I see UNC winning this game. Um, Really good team. Uh, Obviously, being an 8 seed, they probably could have been a 5. Probably not 5. Probably a 7 or a 6. But Mm -hmm. very good team, though. Obviously, Duke had a great year as well. But I think being able to make a run that UNC's made, obviously something sparked in that locker room. They were like, there's no way we're an 8 seed. We should be much better than that. Obviously, they're playing up to the best basketball they've played all season. Um, I think they have all the momentum in the world right now. I'll take them to win the game. Be a big one, though. But Mm -hmm. I'm taking them. Shout out Chris Cotillo. He'll love it. I'm taking UNC for him. He'll love that. I'll send him the audio recording so you can hear it. I know he's at spring training right now, so he's got a lot going on with the Red Sox. We'll get into that um, Mm -hmm. in a few. But. Yeah, it'll be um, sick. He's a big UNC guy. I went to the went to uh, UNC, yeah. UNC BC game January first. That was tough. Uh, yeah. BC kind of got smoked in that one. Second game against them, that we played a lot better. Only lost by about ten. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. Though. I know Duke obviously is very stacked. AJ Griffin, obviously Ben Caro, um, Wendell Moore, very good players. Wendell Moore played great in the ACC tournament. Um, he had a couple of good games, I think, in March Madness. Um, mm-hmm. But it'll be cool to see how it works out. Obviously UNC as well. I mean, they have a really good team, very high recruit. So being an eight seed. With all of that talent, I mean, talent-wise, it could be a three or four seed with how good they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they yeah, they got the AC seed, player of the year. They got two guys that can score yeah. 30 points in any given night. They did the a cool player of the year, right, with Alondis Williams and him. I think Alondis mm-hmm. Williams. Oh, yeah, you're right. I think Alondis yeah, Williams over him. Williams. They were talking about doing a co-player, but they didn't do it. They ended up just giving Alondis. But Alondis Williams did a really good oh, okay. year. BC actually played really well against him in the ACC tournament, which we highlighted yeah, last week or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an unreal run. Speaking of BC basketball, too, actually, before we get back to the March Madness, Makayash and Langford announced um, on the social media that he's returning for one last season. Uh, he got his extra year of eligibility from the COVID year. Um, so super psyched about that, and that's definitely going to give our chance, uh, you know, our whole team a boosted chance to, you know, make another run in the ACC tournament and during the regular season, too. Uh, having the same core group of guys uh, pass over from one year to the next after a big run like that, that's going to be a huge confidence boost. Uh, and I really like the way the team's looking for next year with, you know, some high-end recruits coming in. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that works out. Big fan of Mackay. Obviously played really well in the ACC tournament, so getting him back is huge. Um, mm-hmm. So the Villanova-Kansas game, what do you got there? Or if you want to talk more about the Duke one. But um, yeah, we can go into Villanova-Kansas. Um, this one's a tough one. I think it's going to be really close either way. Um, but I'm going to take Villanova in this one. I just think they're the most well-coached team in the NCAA. They always play really hard. Play great defense. Um, I mean, everyone on that team can shoot. They move the ball well. They do all the small things right. Um, they don't really have anyone that you know will kill you. I mean, Gillespie obviously is a good shooter and can put up maybe 15, 20 points. Um, I mean, they just have such a balanced attack, and I don't think Kansas is going to be ready for that. I mean, we look at the way Kansas has played their last few games. Um, you know, had some solid wins against uh Miami last week actually completely took over in the second half of that one uh blew him out by 26 despite being down in the first half 
Um, but you know, before that, beating Providence by five and uh, Creighton by seven the week before that, uh, the game before that. Um, I mean, nothing really wows me from that game. Obviously, um, they got guys who can light it up out there. You got Agbaji. Um, uh, I mean, he's averaging 19 points this season. Uh, he's an absolute beast. He's unstoppable. Uh, but, you know, Villanova has their fair share of guys, too. They can match up with anyone on the, def- the defensive end. Uh, so I'm taking Villanova 71-67 over Kansas. How about you? Um, it's obviously a big game. Obviously, Villanova going down without... Um, or going into the game down, Justin Moore, Justin Moore tore his Achilles. It's a big loss. Um, I'm wondering who's going to step up from that bench. There's going to be a guy that's to get more minutes than they have all season. Um, Kansas' last Final Four actually was in 2018. They lost 95-79 to 79 the year going over one. Um, and Connor Gillespie was also a freshman that year. He only played, I think, one or two games. But this is another chance of a title for him. He's a fifth year. Um, one of the true freshmen, as I said, didn't play much um, his first year. Um, Kansas is 9-7 in the Final Four um, with his last one coming in 2012. Um, they're the only one seed in this tournament to make it to the Final Four, and their last championship was in 20, 2008. So 14 years without a championship for a team that's always a 1, 2, or 3 seed. Definitely tough historically for them in the past 14 years. But very good team, obviously talent-wise. Nova, like we've been saying, um, this is their third Final Four in the last six tournaments. And like we said, very good team, very well coached. Um, 2016 and 2018, they won uh, won the national championship. So this will be their third one in the last six years if they were to win it, um, which is nuts if they were to wow. win this year. But very good team, I think. I'm going to go Villanova as well, just based on free throws. The best free throw shooting team. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah, that is historically top, number one. Like. 88%. I think they have the best record uh, for a team shooting free throws for an entire season, I think, ever. 88%, which is nuts. They've only missed, wow. which in my class today, a kid, a kid said it, they've only missed eight free throws the entire March Madness tournament, and Kansas went 13-26 last game when they played Miami, which is nuts. So That is crazy. Missed only eight free throws in the three that games in the That's nuts. That's nuts. I'm going to take Villanova just based off of free throws of that they are an 88% Free throw shouldn't suit, especially um, in these big-time games. It's everything, really. Without Justin Moore, though, it's a big loss, but I'm going to take them to win the game. I'll go Villanova 79. No, I can't go Villanova 79. 72-70. No, 72-66. I'll give them some free throws at the end. A couple one-on-ones they'll make. Um, okay. So my finals matchup would be Villanova versus UNC. Um, obviously, that, oh, that's where they get my pitch now for finals. It would be the rematch. Yeah. We're getting our picks for the finals now, too, because it's Monday night. Oh, you're right. Um, yeah, we'll have to be here talking about the championship afterwards. So, so let's go for it. I'll go. I don't know. That's tough. Villanova UNC. Yeah, it would be first. a rematch That'd from. The other ones first. It would be a rematch, obviously, um, from their last time they met, um, which they met in what year was that? Was that 2018? Yeah, met? it was 2018, I think. Um, yeah, which is nuts. Um, Villanova obviously won the game, that historic shot by uh, some of the Jenkins, right? Chris Jenkins. That was Chris 2016, Jenkins, yeah. Chris Jenkins. Oh, 2016, it was. Yeah, that was a crazy mm-hmm. shot. Uh, obviously, the kid dribbling turns, gives him it mm-hmm. at the top Arch. of the key, drills the three, um, mm-hmm. which is nuts. That was, that was nuts. A yeah, to win the game. Crazy run. Um, I that yeah, that was one of the craziest run. national championships ever. Back in uh, 2018, what? Did they play Gonzaga 2018? Can't um, remember. That's a good question. I'll look it up while you keep going. Uh, who's uh, your pick? I'm interested to see, though, how that works out. Obviously, as I said before, Villanova being a great free throw shooting team, I usually give that team the edge in March Madness. If UNC were to make it, though, if they were to make it to the finals, I think, as I said, they have all the momentum in the world right now. Um, and clearly they got a they got a fire under their belt. I'm gonna go with. If I had a pick. I see a very close game. I could see Villanova winning the game. I could see UNC winning the game if they were to match up, um, just because UNC's been playing so well. Um, but I guess since Villanova is the two, um, I'll go with Villanova. Nah, you know what? I'm gonna go with UNC just to root for an underdog here, just because they're an eight seed. I'll be okay. UNC 76, uh, Villanova 75. They'll get wow. a bucket. I think Good at the game. end of the game, I'll, I'll take UNC. Who's just to take be, them. Who's gonna be the final bucket? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. 
I'm thinking it's gonna be. I think it's gonna come down free throws. Three actually, three. it could be. I think it might come down to free throws and and uh, you know, let's say they hit a couple big free throws, give themselves a lead. No one over hits a three, and then they dribble out the last two seconds. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna pick a big bucket just because when, you get disappointed when you pick a big bucket. If you end up, you know, saying they mm-hmm. win the game, you pick the wrong guy. I don't know. I'm gonna take them to win the game by one though. Okay. Um, if they I were like to that. make it, obviously it makes it a conversation between us two as well. Um, so you want you can't always agree on everything. Also, mm-hmm. Sullivan sure, championship. Yeah. We both at Alabama. I was the Alabama's mm-hmm. away, and uh, Georgia ended up winning it. But um, to you know, create a conversation, mm-hmm. I'll go. I'll go UNC over Villanova. If I were to bet right, the game, like I'll probably go Villanova. But for the sake of this, I'll go UNC. Okay, uh, I'm sticking with my Blue Devils in the finals. Um, I mean, kind of like I said, talking about the Final Four game. Uh, I mean, it's just the deepest team in all of college basketball. They're by far and away the most talented. Um, it's just a matter of can they keep composed and um, can they make the smart plays at the right time. Um, obviously, you know, with teams like Villanova, they're always going to do that. They always make the right plays. They always play hard defensively. Um, do that can be a bit of an issue. They started pretty slow against um, Arkansas in the Elite Eight game, actually. Uh, seemed like they had an extreme lack of defensive effort and hustle. Um, you know, it was pretty tough watching the start of that game. Uh, same with the Texas Tech game, too, actually. Slow starts for both. Um, but looking into this game, I think they're ready to go. They've really heated up now, winning, I mean, four tournament games in a row against good teams, too, by the way. Uh, starting with Michigan State in the round of 32. That was a really good team. Um, despite it being kind of a down year for the program, obviously any Tom Izzo coach team is going to be uh, really hard to play and um, you know really hard to get past uh, just the way they play defense. Uh, Texas Tech, too, is another kind of sleeper team to make the Final Four. Um, I mean, they're so deep as well. They play good defense, and they have guys that can light it up from three. Uh, your boy Orbanor from Oral Roberts, the transfer last year, yeah, played for them. He's kind of a beast out there. Then Arkansas, too. I mean, they can play against anyone. They beat Gonzaga last week. Um, I mean, they have some of the best and most athletic players in all of college basketball. Um, we saw the way they locked down Chet Holmgren. Um, by the way, I don't think that last foul on Chet should have been called. I think he went straight up, and that kind of changed the game when he fouled out on that. Um, but they did a really good job defensively that game. Arkansas holding, I mean, a Gonzaga team that has guys that can shoot from anywhere. Uh, so this Duke team is just so deep. Uh, when they play hard uh, and they play the right um, you know, style of defense, they can really beat anyone. Uh, I got them beating Nova 76-71. Um, I just don't think Nova's going to be able to outscore them. Um, I mean, there's really no one that can outscore this team. You know, you got, uh, this regular season, there was five guys that had over 10 points a game. Uh, Paolo Boncaro, uh, Wendell Moore, Mark Williams, Trevor Keels, and A.J. Griffin. All most likely... Uh, going to be first-round draft picks this year in the NBA. There's just no team that comes close to that level of talent. Um, that's why I had Duke in my finals in the beginning, and that's why I'm sticking with them. Uh, I know they've had some um, you know, bad losses at times, and they've looked inconsistent, especially in that ACC championship game against Virginia Tech. Uh, but I just don't see anyone beating this team, and that's why I got them taking the whole thing. Yeah, definitely excited to see how it works out. So I got UNC versus Villanova. I got UNC beating Villanova, just having the underdog. Zach's got mm-hmm. Duke versus Villanova. Duke over Villanova. So, yep. see how that works out. We're excited. Um, we do have 15 minutes up. I'm going to get into a little college baseball, talk about the Red Sox, too. But if we do have some time for calling, maybe in the last minute or two, um, give me a text at 617-596-3150. Hope we have a minute or two since we have that call in mm-hmm. since sure. before spring break, maybe before that. So, yeah, give us a, a call in. Give me a text at 617-596-3150 if you're interested in calling in. Hope we get you on. Um, college baseball, we'll start with. I can do it very quickly. Um Louisville and Charleston swept. B 
BC and Northeastern baseball this past weekend. Um, I actually went to a couple of Louisville games. I went to Saturday's game after the BC football practice, um, which was also great to get to. Um, my boy Gio in the Gridiron Club got me and my father into it. It was great seeing the team play, seeing them work. Um, excited to see how the wide receiver groups looks, looks this year with Jaden Williams, Zay Flowers, um, and then obviously uh, Jalen Gill. Um, we'll get more into that probably you know next few weeks to talk more about how they're looking and spring and everything mm-hmm. with the spring sure. coming. But I um, just wanted to mention that real quick. Um, so Louisville, got to see them play Saturday and Sunday. Um, sat- Sunday's game was ridiculous. I think it was like 16-3 to three was the final. Um, Saturday was a very close one. BC had them six. I think it was 9-9 in the sixth or something. Or six, it was tie game either way after the seventh inning. The eighth and ninth um, stayed 0-0 in the eighth and ninth inning. You know, neither team gave a run either of those innings. And then went into extra innings, started pouring uh, rain, and then Louisville just got hot, and they went on a hot streak. They had guys on base. BC had a very tough time getting offense going um, in the rain. It's not easy to throw in the rain or field the rain or hit in the rain. Louisville just played really well. Um, Louisville is also a top 15 team in the country, so losing three games to them, you don't really expect to win too many of them. Very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and uh, I think it was a three-run home run by Cam Masterman. Um, hit it after Tower. I actually got on video. It was nuts how far he hit it. Um, sure. Left right over the plate, though. Every one of that team throws like 95, 96. So it's not like if you you know have a great day fielding or whatever that it necessarily means you're going to win the game because you're still going to be hit against them throwing 95, 96. But mm-hmm. BC bounced back today. Big win against Merrimack, 16-4. Um, two home runs with Joe Vitrano. BC actually had six home runs in total. Um, so Hitting's very been good, good game. this year. Offense has been hitting. Vitrano also has been playing well. Um, so I'm interested to see how that works out. They got Wake Forest coming in this weekend, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe. Um, so that'll be an interesting matchup for BC. Especially since considering Wake Forest, a lot of the ACC, the ACC this year is stacked. Wake Forest is another top 25 team. So, so that works out. Obviously, BC gets a chance to hopefully take at least one out of two, one out of three from them. I think that'd be a winning series. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see how that for works sure. out. For sure. I mean, the way this season's been, any ACC win is a, I mean, a good sign for the team at this point. So. Absolutely. Yeah, with how good the ACC is at baseball, too, this year. It's just ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see where Wake is. Yeah, they got a ton of top 25 uh, teams this year at the ACC. Yeah, a ton. They got six. Um, Wake actually isn't even uh, ranked right now. But regardless, very good team. They always have top draft picks. Um, very good school, too, as well. So we'll see how that works out. Um, Northeastern got swept this week against Charleston. Tough series. As I said going into it, they beat Texas once this year. And Texas is actually number eight in the country right now. So Charleston beating a team in Texas, you know, one out of three, I think it was, is impressive in its own. So mm-hmm. Northeastern going in, they were yeah, saying the best baseball. Um, today, Northeastern bounced back, 4-3 winning against URI. URI actually just beat UConn this past week in the last week or so, who's also a top 25 team. So, you know, these are beating URIs, a big win, 4-3 to three today um, on the road. Max Vieira was 2-4. Northeast needs him to play well. Had a very good year last year. The year 350 last year as a freshman. This year as a sophomore, has been struggling early. I um, mean, the season hour about halfway through. So, he's definitely got to get going offensively. But I have confidence in him. Hitters always find a hot streak and then get back to, you know, the, the way they play. So, mm-hmm. I have confidence in him. Eric Yost today went two innings. Um, no runs. He actually just pitched this past weekend on Saturday or Sunday. I believe it was Sunday. Um, so he's thrown three of the last uh, eight days now. So I'm sure he'll be resting this weekend, I'd imagine. Maybe he'll pitch Sunday. Who knows? But um, excited to see that works out. BC versus Northeastern this coming Tuesday is the Bean Pot. Um, Harvard will play um, against UMass Amherst. Harvard's 11 7 on the year. UMass Amherst 8 8 1. Um, Northeastern actually tied UMass Amherst earlier in the year 1 1 at um, Northeastern uh, at, in Brookline against Northeastern. Northeastern at home. Um, I see it being Northeastern Harvard in the finals. Uh, BC obviously beat Northeastern one to nothing um, last week now, last Tuesday at Northeastern. Eric Yost pitched great. BC pitched great that day as well. 
Um, I just see Northeastern's bats getting going, obviously in a bigger game. Um, historically, BC's owned the Beanpot. They have 13 championships. UMass Amherst has seven. Northeastern's got six. Harvard's got five. Um, the most recent ones, though, were Harvard in 2018 and UMass Amherst in 2019. Uh, BC won three straight from 2015 to 2017. And Northeastern hasn't won one since 2013. It kind of feels like the hockey one where, you know, they didn't win since 1988 it was. And I'm going in winning with Adam Garnett in 2018. That's started a run where they won three straight years. So I see this team bouncing back. Um, obviously, everyone's in 2013, but they're kind of like a powerhouse, similar to how Northeast Hockey built themselves from just talent, um, local talent like Adam Gaudet, similar to what Northeast has this year, and in uh, Corey DiLoretto and some other guys from Massachusetts, like Sebastian Keane. Sebastian Keane, let's go. North Andover. Um, I see Northeast winning. That's a draft pick, too. Yeah, that's a draft pick. Yeah. Grew up a Yankees fan, though, so he didn't sign mm-hmm. with us for reasons. Yeah, his dad was actually my history teacher. He had Yankees posters all over the room yeah. uh, so, back in middle sense. school. Makes sense why he didn't sign. But um, I got Northeastern winning that game. Northeastern's pitching's been great. Oh, yeah, BC pitched very well against the last game. BC's pitching this season overall, though, has really struggled. Um, so I'm going to take BC versus Northeastern. I'm going to take Northeastern 7, BC 4. Um, and then Harvard versus UMass Amherst would be a good game just because, obviously, being puck game. Teams will get up for it. UMass is 500 on the year. Harvard's actually played really well. Um, they were two. They took two out of three against UCLA, one out of three against Miami, and one out of three against UCLA. Two really big schools in the South, and obviously in the Western um, part of the uh, Division One baseball um, region. So, see how that works out. I'll take Harvard over um, UMass Amherst. I got Northeast and Harvard in the finals. We'll talk about that next week. Who do you got? Give us a quick pick. Who do you got winning it? Either game. It's up to you. Um, I mean, I'll stick with my boys, BC. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Uh, been a down year for them. Um, but, I mean, the hitting has really been there. Uh, I mean, they've still been putting up solid runs in the ACC games. And we saw it with the Louisville game last week. I mean, against one of the best teams in the country, putting up six runs isn't a bad thing at all. Yeah, uh, It's just pitching, and definitely um, bullpen has been a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, just going against the uh, you know, Massachusetts teams, I don't think uh, any of them um, you know have the talent, like you know schools like Northeast, I mean, not Northeastern, like Louisville. I mean, obviously, like Northeastern's a really good team, uh, but BC can really hang with anyone. Um, that's, you know, I mean, just in general. Uh, so I'll take BC, the whole thing, uh, with Northeastern being a close runner-up. So is, is BC Northeastern first round, you said? Yeah, and then Harvard versus UMass Air okay. at Harvard on Tuesday. Um, yeah, so I'd take BC over Northeastern, uh, UMass over Harvard, and then BC over UMass in the finals. Um, but either way, I think whoever comes out of that BC Northeastern game just – Pure talent wise, is going to win the whole thing. Um, yeah, I think they're the two best teams in Massachusetts, definitely. So yeah, I mean Northeastern though, I know they're not ACC school, but they obviously swept, as I said a few weeks ago, they swept NC State um, three out of three times. And NC State was number eight in the country, mm-hmm. then took yeah, that's impressive. Um, one out of three against Clemson when Clemson was fourteen and zero. Um, so very good team though. They were four and two in ACC play, then lost to BC. So another four and three ACC play. BC's one and eight right now in ACC play. ACC, the ACC stacked. Clemson's one and four in ACC play, but they're seventeen and seven overall. There's only two schools that are under 500 in the ACC, and that's Duke, who's 12 and 13, and BC, who's 11 and 14. So the ACC is actually still not a bad record overall for I mean, considering we're that bad in the ACC being 11 and 14. I mean, Wake is 19 and six, and they're not even in the top 25. That's how good um, some college baseball teams are this year. So um, it'll be interesting how it works out. I got Northeast Ohio in the finals. Um, So Mike Sirota, though, that's a name to keep your eye on. Big fan of him. I think he comes up big. He didn't play today, actually, so maybe a rest day for this weekend. They got a home series, I said, against William & Mary this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll definitely pop out to that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see how that Should goes. Should be a good one, yeah. And on the BC side, too, Luke Gold's been playing pretty well that series. Had a couple of big home runs. Uh, Travis Honeyman, too. I think, is he a freshman? Uh, yeah, he's a freshman. Or a yeah. sophomore. I think he's a sophomore, actually. Okay. Either way, I think it's his first year playing. Um, I mean, he's been 
made a big impact too as well uh, hitting wise. So, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, those are my two guys to keep an eye on for BC. Um, they've been solid hitters all year, so excited to see the way they play. Uh, you know, moving forward into this bean pot. Argo Sorota, Jeff Costello, big fans of them. And then on BC side, obviously Luke Gold, and I think Joe Vitrano has been hit very well. Keep my eye on him. Um, then obviously the pitching, it'll be Northeastern Sunday pitching has been a lead all year. I don't know who will be starting that game, depending on who pitches this weekend. It could be Yost, who knows, actually. So if Yost were to pitch, he already faced BC, so only gave one run in that first inning. So it'd be interesting how that works out. But mm-hmm. talking about Red Sox really quickly. Yeah, let's um, get into it. 10, and se- 10 to 7 they won today, actually, um, over Atlanta. This was the first time Trevor Story played in a Red Sox uniform for his debut. Um, he went mm-hmm. one of two with a walk in an RBI. Um, every start I played for the Red Sox, the start nine, it was Kike and Senna, Devis at third, uh, Bogans at short, JD at DH, Verdugo on left, Trevor Story at second, Dahlbeck um, hitting after Story, playing first, Jackie Bradley Jr. playing right, and then Vasquez catching. Very good lineup, one through six, and then obviously seven, eight, nine, Dahlbeck, Bradley, and Vasquez. You just you know take what you get from them. Although mm-hmm. uh, this spring, though, uh, you know, JBJ is hitting 188, but he does have a little power. I think he has one home run. He hit a home run uh, last weekend. I've hit a towering shot. So he's hitting 188. Obviously, you're not expecting him to hit 300. But if he hits 250 this year, that would be a win. Um, Devis, though, has been hot. Four home runs and 18 at-bats. Hit his fourth one today. It was two of three with two RBIs. He's hit 389 this spring. Um, and then Kike's hit 294 in the leadoff spot. Um, obviously, these guys haven't played every day in spring training. Uh, most of them played a good amount of the games, though. So it's cool mm-hmm. seeing them get at-bats. Um, definitely psyched to see how it works out. But Trevor Story going one or two, not a bad day. Um, his first time yeah, not in a Red bad Sox at all. Uniform. First hit in a Red Sox uniform. So yeah, that was pretty cool. To he see. had a triple against Evaldi in the simulation game. Also, Marcelo Mayer or whatever the the Red Sox fourth pick in the draft from the 2021 draft um, actually hit a home run against uh, Nate Evaldi as well. So, see, Evaldi's wow. again his A game. I mean, he didn't pitch today. Mm-hmm. How pitched today? Pitched really well. Four innings, one earned run, four strikeouts. I think the pitching is what is going to drive the Red Sox, whether they're a really good team or a really bad team. I think they're going to be a very good team, but I think the pitching mm-hmm. is what's the going to drive them to the top. The there for sure, and the fielding, yeah. I think pitching is what's going to drive them to the top. I think I think they're going to be second, you know, within the top two of the division, um, but I think pitching is what's going to separate because um, there's four teams in the AOE that are probably going to be in the playoff run, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Rays. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, all of your teams. Um, but um, we'll just see how that goes. Yeah, getting pretty close to opening day, too, just a week from tomorrow. We'll uh, cover that next week. Can't wait for that. Yeah, we'll have to get a big preview for that. Uh, got a three-game series there. You have all these pitching the first game, so can't wait for that. Should be a good game. Good no series. Sale, unfortunately, his third straight uh, opening day missed, um, which is tough. That's the thing with the Red Sox. I mean, we had Garrett Whitlock right now who might be in the rotation. I would put him in the rotation as of now just because I don't want to ever take the risk of running into another Daniel Bard. Uh, incident we've taken from the bullpen where he's been elite throw him in the starting rotation then kind of ruin his whole career Daniel Bott did come back last year after missing I think I don't think he pitched in the majors from 2015 to 2020 and then pissed, pitched last year actually for uh, the Colorado Rockies so mm. see how it works out actually it was really good last year Daniel Bott but I wouldn't try to mm. take him away for he had a 1690 RA last year pitched very well I would take him out of um, where he's pitching last year where he was elite he had a 1890 RA or 1690 RA and it was wow. a 90 Either way, impressive. something nine. But it was one eight nine. It's not my head, but mm-hmm. regardless, pitch very well. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But Tanner Houck, I'm a big fan of. As of now, yeah, we're only giving him four games for some reason. I mean, four innings every game. I like to give him six or seven. I know they say it's that between the second and third time through the batter's order, that's when he struggles. But I think you know if he can stay six or seven innings, obviously helps the bullpen. It might even give him more confidence. So mm-hmm. see how it works out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean. They got plenty of guys though that are solid rotation pieces. Uh, the Red Sox right now, you know, guys like you mentioned, Tanner Houck. Um, he's a solid piece. I mean, he looked pretty good last year in uh, a couple of games. Uh, 
yeah. they're inconsistent, but I mean, games we watched together, he was looking pretty good. You always point him out as your boy. Big so. fan of him, yeah. I think he's a future mm-hmm. Cy Young if the Red, Sox, Red Sox actually took the training wheels off and let him pitch seven or eight innings. But we'll see, though, obviously, how that works out. Mm-hmm. We do have two minutes left. Anyone word of comment? Obviously, we only got two minutes. Give me a text in the next minute or so. Um, give you a call in. Give us some takes mm-hmm. about uh, March Madness, anything you want. But yeah, anything, it'll be yeah. the Red Sox go. Obviously, now they only have another week of the spring training before they play the Yankees next week in the Bronx. Um, that'll be April 7th. Um, big game. It'll be a 105 game next Thursday. So next Wednesday, we'll be covering a ton. Give some bean pot recap, some frozen four predictions for the Denver, uh, Denver yeah, and impact. Michigan game, Minnesota State, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Obviously, give the Got to get some updates in our big uh, softball and football season coming up, too. Flag yeah. football, actually. I meant to mention that. Big game tonight for me and Joey. Yeah, four uh, and four. Fish Field House. Really. So, mm-hmm. we'll yeah, they changed it up. Right. It's four and four instead of seven on seven now. No more blocking. Except you only have five seconds to throw it, and there's no pass rush. So if you don't throw it at the end of five seconds, they just whistle it as a sack, which, which I'm, I'm not a fan of. Yeah, I don't know what's up with the rule book, but you know what? I'll take it. Four and four is better than seven on seven for that small field. Absolutely, yeah. That Maybe was chaos. That goes. Um, real quick, though, we didn't talk about the women's bracket. I know I did have NC right. State in it. Yeah, NC South State Carolina, let's UConn. go. That game was crazy, UConn-NC State. Yeah, 91 very high-scoring game. High score game. Still there. Um, which UConn was a Tuesday. I know we came into it. UConn's, UConn's the most historically you know, great women's uh, basketball program in the last 10 years, so I'm not really surprised seeing NC State lose to them, but I was rooting for NC State just because you saw them play. Um, tough loss there. Obviously, South Carolina for you. They faced Louisville, who I had, right? I had Louisville versus Yeah, you had NC them State. in... Uh... I think it's South Carolina in your final four. Did oh, I, no, it was. I think it was Louisville NC State was my finals matchup, if I remember right. It would make sense because they're two different sides of the bracket, too. I think it was Louisville versus NC State. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, I had uh, South Carolina. I don't know if I picked my final four, actually. Yeah, well, the recording's um, gone, unfortunately, did. so it's yeah. not going to go back, um, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I don't even remember picking my final four. I do think I said UConn, though. But, I yeah. mean, it's tough because I don't really know if I even gave it. I know I gave South Carolina as my finals pick. I'm still rolling with them. Um, I mean, they're all. Absolute hoopers. They beat Creighton in the Elite Eight by 30 uh, the game before that. Actually, they beat UNC. Uh, UNC played pretty well that game. They only beat them by eight. Uh, UNC is a really tough team. Um, but in mean, first round, I mean, come on. They beat Howard 79-21. to Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. Can't do much better than that. They're just so athletic. They're big. They're dominant. They play good defense. Uh, I don't see anyone who's beating them. UConn, though. UConn. I mean, the yeah, interesting thing that game was that it went double Page. overtime. Um, so UConn's players, it was one person, Christian Williams, that played 48 minutes, which is nuts. That's a full NBA game, which is crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. Put up 21 points, that played very well. Um, and then NC State, obviously, who I was a fan of, um, didn't obviously put it together at the end of the day. But very good run, though. Um, mm-hmm. Always being able to see them Yeah, play. two great teams. I mean, UConn and, and NC State. Two seed. Yeah. 29-5 was UConn, and then obviously NC State was 32-4. Uh, tough mm-hmm. game, obviously. Couldn't have asked for much of a better you game You can root that. for a you know, New England team, but, you know, UConn making it, which is pretty cool. Obviously, UConn's mm-hmm. playing... Um, Stanford, so you can at least root for South Carolina on that side of the back and then root for UConn. I did have Louisville, I think, in the finals, so I'll go Louisville and South Carolina. I'll go UConn okay. and Stanford. And then that finals matchup is actually Sunday. So these games are Friday. Um, this final four matchup, mm-hmm. South Carolina versus Louisville. Yeah, I think they offset them with the men's games. I mean, we got games every day now, so. Yep, yeah. I'm rolling with South Carolina, UConn. Um, I think Paige, um, you know, from UConn. Buckers, she's, right? Yeah, Buckers, Buckers. I mean, I've heard it both ways. Um, she's, yeah, I think you're right. Um, one of the best players in the country, easy, one of the best shooters. Um, I think she's the most talented player in women's college basketball. Uh, I think she's going to lead her team past Stanford. Uh, and then South Carolina, I just think they're mismatched. I think every team's mismatched with uh, South Carolina. They're just dominant. So I got South Carolina over UConn. I think it'll be probably 74 to 66, uh, South Carolina winning the championship. 
Um, all right, I'm going to go Louisville over South Carolina in that game. And then I got Stanford versus uh, Stanford versus uh, UConn. I get UConn in that game. Louisville has okay. been playing very well, though. Obviously, I had them in the finals, so i got to pick them again. Haley yeah. Bailey at the 22 points last game against Michigan. 12-point uh, win there over Michigan, which is Michigan was a really good team as well. Um, I didn't really watch too much um, of that game either. But I did see the highlights of that other game, though, the UConn versus NC State game. It was on ESPN mm-hmm. on Instagram. Um, there was, there yeah, was that was a wild finish. NC State hitting that 3-4 to OT, and then... Yeah, um, nuts. I mean, they yeah, had a chance to take it in OT. Yeah, I mean, call it March for a reason, so... Definitely. So I'll go Louisville versus UConn. I'll go Louisville versus UConn. Um, it'll be a good game, though. Obviously, we'll cover that next week really quickly. Um, yeah, we'll for cover, sure. We'll have a lot to cover next week. Everything's going to be quick, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both March Madnesses, Celtics. We'll uh, get into mock Red drafts, too. It's starting the next day. Be, so we'll yeah, NFL drafts. draft is coming up. Um, uh, hopefully, we'll see Zion Johnson go in the first round. It's looking like it'll happen. So um, We'll talk, obviously, we'll talk about the practice that I went to. We'll cover the spring game, which is sure. Yeah, we'll start talking about BC football. Obviously, within the NFL, though, today, they said that now in the playoffs, both teams will possess the ball in overtime, which is really cool. Um, yeah, we didn't mention that. I'm a big fan of that. Um, big fan of that myself. I think they should do in the regular season as well, but what can you do? I mean, if you win a game on it, you're psyched. If you lose a game on it, that's when you're mad. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, if you don't even touch the ball, thing. it feels like you didn't even get a chance. So That's the problem. Um, but obviously, you don't want to lose a game uh, in, pl- in the playoffs not being able to touch the ball on offense. But mm-hmm. that's the way it is, unfortunately, yeah, sure. in basketball. especially. I mean, in football, excuse me. But in basketball, obviously, having to be a double overtime game, it's a thriller. Obviously, the NFL's never going to have a double mm. overtime. But I feel like the longer overtime is, so both teams possesses mm. the ball. Yeah, the, the crazy thing is, like, college football, and you get to, like, six, seven, That's teams, the thing, yeah. That's what makes it better. Both teams to touch the ball. Obviously, the NFL's mm-hmm. never going to do that just because it's too rough a game. They don't want to get guys killed. But mm-hmm. um, see how Makes that it intense. Out. Makes it fun to be a fan. But, yeah, I get it from the uh, league perspective. Absolutely. Um, definitely a fan of that rule change, though. Absolutely. So, a um, few quick shout-outs, though. Shout-out to Timmy Loftus, Maureen Murphy, the whole O'Malley family. Um, Shout-out Mary and Brian. Thank you guys for listening. Shout-out to my brother, Michael. Um, he wanted me to say um, he's my favorite brother, so shout-out to my favorite brother, Michael. Um, Shout-out to the Brennan family. Um, thank you guys all for listening. As I said, my whole family, all my friends, Mark Walsh, the sports guru, Mike Curley. We need him to call in next week. We need the guru oh, for sure. on. We need the guru on next yeah, week. Yeah, we him back. Um, if the UNC were to win, we'll get Chris Cotillo on next week, too. Let's do it, yeah. So I'm sure he'd be psyched, too. If he can, obviously, it'll be the night before uh, opening day. He's going to be so next week, yeah. He's going to have a lot we'll going a ton, on there. Yeah. Um, so that'll be you know nuts, obviously. I hope things work out there for him being able to you know be able to watch UNC this week. And obviously, with it being spring training, there's a lot to prepare for this mm-hmm. coming week. But I'm sure he'll be watching. Yeah, I'm sure there's he'll a ton for enjoy him. It. He'll, pr- he'll probably go to the game, actually, realistically, knowing him. He'll probably go to the Final Four game. But mm-hmm. anyways, yeah, though, um, shout-out to Dr. Lisa, shout-out to Unk. Thank you guys for listening. And then also, as I've done the past few episodes, um, uh, thoughts and prayers are with the Ukraine. As I said before, we do love talking sports, but um, there's a lot more um, going on in the world, a lot, of, a lot of other things. We're obviously fortunate to be able to do this show, but our thoughts and prayers are with um, everyone there. I mean, I've seen some crazy pictures on mm-hmm. um, social media in the past few days of um, – missiles and stuff on the ground and playgrounds and stuff like that, which is just outrageous and awful. I just really hope things work out there um, and things get better. But our thoughts are present mm-hmm. with them. Um, thank you guys for listening to another week. We'll be back next week. Um, that'll be April 6th, Wednesday, April 6th, 7 to 8. Yep. We'll cover a ton next week. Same time, same place. Yeah, we got a lot to get through. We'll get our um, intramural games to talk about, too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, big internet at 9.30, so we'll keep everyone posted on that. Don't forget um, that. Thank you guys, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll Appreciate see you next it. week. Stay safe and stay well. Thank you, guys. Have a good